0: Good morning. morning. So did any of those scenes look familiar? Yeah, it's real. And I'll tell you right now, if you've ever read through the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, you will quickly see there are three categories of people that are identified there. There are the wise people, there are people who are foolish, and then this third category, people who are wicked. There are wicked people, aren't there, in our world? And sometimes we can be wicked people. In Deuteronomy 32, it says this about wicked people. It says, Their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. And it's true. People can become very poisonous and destructive. And that's why we're starting this new series today, this short three part series, because those people are everywhere. And, and we need to learn how to deal with those people because they are everywhere. They're, they're at your school. They're at your workplace. They're in your neighborhood. They're in your home. And as Laura pointed out just a moment ago, they can even be here in church. And that's where I want to start today because sometimes people can be destructive at church. Sometimes people do things here at church in the name of the church or in the name of God, and it's just flat out bad. It's awful. And this is nothing new. Jesus had to deal with a destructive group of church people called the Pharisees. And and they came up with all kinds of tools or weapons that they used to attack Jesus. And these are the same tools that people will use even in Christ's church today. And what I'd like to do is, is just run through a couple of those with you. It may seem like a lot, but tell me, I'll oh, trust me, there are a lot more out there. But let me run through a couple of these with you so that you're alert to them and you can recognize okay, that's a destructive person, stay away, or that's a poisonous person, you get away from me. But also so that you avoid them as well. Okay. So one tool that a destructive person at church will sometimes use, and that was used back then and is used even today, is this thing called legalism. Legalism is where you can, you're more concerned about customs and traditions than you are about people and helping them when they're in need, right? That's it. It's being more concerned about rules than relationships. And I'll tell you, destructive people who are wrapped up in legalism are people who are easily offended, easily disappointed, maybe even easily shocked, but they're always upset about something, 2,000 years ago, the Pharisees always seemed to be upset about something that Jesus had done. Look at this. In Luke 11, it says the Pharisee was shocked and somewhat offended when he saw that Jesus didn't wash up for meals. So for destructive people, life, especially if you're wrapped up in legalism, it's all about rules. It's all about performance. That's it. They completely miss the fact that true life, like Laura pointed about, it's about a love-filled relationship with God. True life involves a relationship where you don't have to measure up. You don't have to perform your way into heaven. No, true life is all about uh, God's grace and love and forgiveness and the promise of eternal life because of Jesus. But people who are destructive and who are focused, especially, you know, on this whole legalism thing, they miss that, right? They, They don't care about that. All they care about are rules and regulations, and that's destructive, A second tool that destructive people at church can use is this thing called hypocrisy. Yeah, the church, Christ's church has been given that label, and that's awful. But hypocrisy is when you push a bunch of rules on people, and then you don't live them out yourself, right? It's when you act different ways with different people. You act and you speak a certain way here at church. How are you doing? You look nice. I feel good. But you're out there, and you're with your buddies or with your other people. You're out in the world, and you're acting in a completely different way. Talking about the Pharisees, Jesus says this in Matthew 23, verse 3. They don't practice what they preach, right? That's hypocrisy. It's destructive. Third tool that destructive people at church will use, and they love to use this one, it's guilt, Destructive people love to condemn and denounce and make you feel awful and guilty. Talking about Pharisees again, this time chapter 23, verse 4, Jesus says this, they tie up heavy loads and put them on people's shoulders. In other words, they load people down with guilt, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. That's what destructive people do. They will do a really good job of making you feel bad and guilty, but they won't free you from that by also pointing you to the cross, to God's love, to his forgiveness. That's why destructive people don't do that. They ignore the fact that Jesus sacrificed his life so that anyone anywhere might not be punished for the, I'm sorry, they could be pardoned from the punishment that they deserve and enjoy God's grace and forgiveness. They ignore that. Why? Because destructive people want you to feel bad. That's why they're so destructive, right? They want you to feel guilty, Mm. A fourth tool that destructive people at church will use is fault finding. So in other words, destructive people don't just want you to feel guilty. They're also going to show you what you've done wrong, right? They're going to take what you say and criticize it. They're going to twist the words around. Jesus experienced that in Matthew 22. It says the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. That's what destructive people will do. They'll try to trap you in what you say, twist those words around and tear you down. It, it, it doesn't matter that, you know, we're all sinners and we all make mistakes and we all live under God's grace and that that forgiveness is ours because Jesus was willing to lay down his life in our behalf. No, it doesn't matter to a destructive person. They are, remember, they're wicked, right? There is no room for grace when a, when a person is destructive. A fifth tool is that destructive people at church will also use criticism of Motives. Criticism of motives. When Jewish leaders um, realized that they couldn't attack Jesus' actions, because he was perfect, right? So he didn't do anything wrong. They couldn't attack it. He was always doing everything right. So then they criticized his motives they for example after he casting out a demon uh the pharisees said this about jesus in matthew 9 it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons I and mean, that's just a stupid statement on their part but they were doing that because they couldn't attack his what he had done so they were criticizing the reason for what he had done saying he's a, he's possessed by by you know the devil and it's dumb because, of course, why would the devil cast out other demons? It just, it, you know, it doesn't make sense. But that's what destructive people do. If they cannot attack your actions, they're going to criticize your motives. Sixth tool that destructive people at church will often use is guilt by association. I've seen this. This is where if you show compassion and kindness to a particular group of people that are on the bad list of a destructive person, that destructive person will tell you, they will let you know with unknown, uncertain terms that you, by association, are just as bad. In Luke 15, it says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The destructive church people back in Jesus' day, they couldn't stand the fact that he was associating with bad people. And so you know what they did? They called Jesus' names. In Luke 7, it says they called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They insulted Jesus. Why? Because they couldn't stand the fact that he was hanging out with these people they didn't like. It doesn't matter that God loves all people. Destructive people, to them, it doesn't matter that Jesus came to this earth so that anyone, literally anyone, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. No. You're hanging out with a person on my bad list? Then you must be bad too. See how destructive that is? It's awful. And it's real. All of these things happen. Number seven, destructive people at church also use a a tool called ridicule. Destructive people love to ridicule you, cut you down to size, right? They want to feel better about themselves. They want to feel more important than you, so they'll ridicule you. And the, the Pharisees were ridiculing Jesus, even when Jesus is hanging on the cross. For granted, they didn't even break, give him a break there. He's hanging on the cross, dying for your sins, my sins, their sins. But look at this in Matthew 27, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. That's what destructive people will do. They will ridicule you. Now, great people, great people won't do that. Great people will make other people feel great by sharing with them the greatness of God's unconditional love, right? A love that has no strings attached. A love that offers forgiveness and a fresh start in Jesus. Very, very different, isn't it? Eighth, eighth tool, destructive people at church will use flattery. Destructive people will flatter you and praise you and compliment you. And they'll say sweet things to you, but they'll do it not because they care about you, but because they want to get something from you. See how destructive that is? In Romans 16, it says, such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words. They deceive innocent people. That's flattery. And it's destructive because it deceives people who are trying to do the right thing. Number nine, a ninth tool that destructive people will use in church is intimidation. I've had that happen to me. I'm the pastor. People, destructive people at church try to intimidate you. They try to pressure you so that you get on to the defensive. And and the reason why they want you on the defensive, it emboldens them. It empowers them. It makes them feel better about themselves. Look at this in Matthew 16. It says, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. And let me just tell you right now, if you feel like you have to prove yourself to somebody else again and again, that's a that's a flag, right? That that person is using destructive behavior. And one last tool, and there's far more than these, okay? But if you look through the Gospels, you'll find all 10 of these. But this last one, and this is probably, I think, the most potent most powerful, most destructive, is that destructive people at church will use gossip. Oh yeah, that happens, doesn't it? Mm hmm. It's pure poison. It is destructive to, or, to, It it is destructive to faith. It is destructive to churches. I would argue. I have no absolute, absolutely no proof of this, but I would argue, d- gossip has destroyed more churches than all the false teachings of the world because it's that dangerous. That's why in Proverbs 10, it says, it says this, anyone who spreads gossip is a fool. Gossip is destructive. Now, again, there could be more than these 10 that I share with you. It's easy to find them. You just read through the four Gospels. You'll see how those destructive religious church people in Jesus' day, they were very creative, but they had all these tools. And I shared them with them so that you are alert to them, but also so that you can avoid those tools as well. But the fact of the matter is destructive people exist. Destructive people exist. And and they aren't born that way. So understand, something happens that makes them destructive, especially within a church. And, And let me just share a couple of reasons why I think some people become destructive within a church. One reason is that destructive people become destructive because of envy. They see somebody else succeeding in an area where they aren't, and all of a sudden they find themselves envious, which can in turn then make them destructive. Think about it. Why was it that the Pharisees and the chief priests and the elders, why did they want Jesus dead? Why did they want him to be? I mean, obviously Jesus allowed himself to be killed. He's God, right? So he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross to pay for the sins of the world. But why did those religious leaders those destructive groups of people in the church back then, why did they want Jesus dead? Mark 15 says, it was out of envy. It was out of envy that they wanted him dead. Envy. They couldn't, those those Pharisees, they couldn't handle the fact that Jesus was successful. They resented that he was so popular and they weren't. And that envy made them very destructive. But sometimes, People are destructive in a church, not because of envy. Sometimes people become destructive because of greed. Yeah. And I've seen this. I've seen greed destroy families. I've seen greed destroy marriages. I've seen greed destroy friendships. And I've seen greed destroy churches. That's why Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 6 saying the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, obviously, you know, money can be good. If you use it and you don't love it, right? There's a difference. But it's when you become greedy and you love money more than you other people, that's when it becomes destructive. Sometimes people are not destructive though because of envy or greed. Sometimes, and I would say this is probably a more common event, people are destructive in a church because of bitterness. Hurt people tend to hurt other people. And and deeper than that, um, people who have been hurt—it's—I it's, it, don't even—it's just the devil at work. But they reject God's grace and they refuse His offer to heal them of their pain and bitterness. It, again, this is just—the devil is so sly. He is so wicked. He—he he will convince you to stay in that bitterness, to wallow in that pain, and to just sit there. And I know people who've who've been bitter for years, and I mean like thirty years. That's nuts. That's how destructive bitterness can be, though, and it can make you a destructive person. In Hebrews 12, though, it says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. See what it says there? Don't miss God's grace. That's the answer to your bitterness. Jesus promises to wash away your feelings of resentment and pain. All you got to do is confess it. All you gotta do is confess that bitterness. Say, God, I'm dealing with some serious issues here and they're making me into an ugly, destructive person. I don't want to be there. Lord, forgive my bitter feelings. Confess it and then trust that because of his love for you in Jesus, he will. But you know what? He won't just forgive you. He'll also give you a new heart and a new mind too. So, so those are three potential reasons why people can sometimes be destructive in a church. It's envy, greed, bitterness. I know that Laura and even Roy mentioned how it's important for us to stay away from people, um, to to maybe be at, live at peace with people who are destructive. Sometimes, though, it doesn't work out that way. So sometimes a destructive person at church you encounter them, okay? They come into your life. So in those moments, what do you do? And these are just some practical tips that I think might help you. First, when a destructive person at church, okay, when you encounter them, the first thing you want to realize is that it's not about you. Please understand. They are going to try to make it about you, but it's not about you. It's about them, This is the passage that Roy and Laura read. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's God's desire. But sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes that person comes into your life anyway. So to keep help you to realize it's not about you, keep in mind these three truths. Truth number one, you did not create their destructive behavior. Please remember that. That person is destructive because of envy or bitterness or greed or whatever it is, and uh, you didn't do that, okay? You didn't make them destructive. They may try to blame you on it, but they decided to be destructive. You did not make them destructive. You did not create it. Second, you can't control their destructive behavior. When they come into your life, you may feel like, yeah, I must have done something to make them so, you know, amped up like that. What did I do? Maybe it is my fault, be careful there. Okay. Be careful. Don't, um, cause that can lead to false guilt. It's easy to feel that way, but that can lead to false guilt. Don't let anyone blame you or make you feel guilty for what they did, which of course was out of your control. And then third, you won't change their destructive behavior. You can't. They have to want to change. And I found out that in many cases, the only time that person is going to want to change is when um, when the, 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 the pain of change is overcome by the painful consequences that they are experiencing because of their destructive behavior. So, I mean, Does that make sense? Now, I understand destructive people tolerate a lot of pain. And maybe it's because they're more afraid of change than the pain of the consequences. I don't know. But just keep those three truths in mind because that will help you to realize when a destructive person enters into your life, it's not about you. Second, if possible, disconnect and walk away. Now, understand, I'm not talking about disconnecting and walking away from your marriage or a family member or even an important relationship in which you find yourself. Okay. I'm talking about people where there is no connection. There is no commitment. It's okay for you not to be around them. In Matthew 12, it says the Pharisees went out and they plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. So the point is to try not to be around destructive people, if at all possible. If they come into your heart and I'm sorry, if they come into your, into your life, then you, you know, if, if possible, you disengage, you disconnect, you walk away. And that leads me to the third point, which is don't engage. Again, if it is all possible, don't engage with the destructive person. The Pharisees were constantly trying to trap Jesus, and Jesus refused to be manipulated by them. He refused to engage. In Matthew 22, it says, Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites! Why are you trying to trap me? Jesus said, guys, guys, I know what you're trying to do. It's not going to work. You're trying to get me into an argument with you. I'm not going there. He refused to engage because he knew how destructive they were. Paul knew how destructive people within the church can be as well. That's why he warns his, his brother in Christ, Timothy. Here it is in 1 Timothy 6. Speaking about destructive people who love to argue, Paul says, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction. You know, yuck, it's pretty awful don't engage with destructive people. With that said, number four, set boundaries, right? No one can pressure you without your permission. So set up certain boundaries for your life. Understand Christ freed you from the demands and the burdens of this world and other people. Don't let somebody else enslave you to their expectations, in Galatians 5, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned by a, again by a yoke of slavery. Set boundaries. And then finally, live only for Christ. Instead of focusing on living for everybody else, focus on God, live for him and him alone. First Thessalonians 2 says, we are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. When you live for God, here's the thing. When you live for God and live for him alone, then you aren't caught up trying to please everybody else, including destructive people. And that's good. But here's something that's even better. When you are living for God and you're enjoying and basking in his grace and his love and his forgiveness, guess what? It empowers you to forgive the destructive people in your life. And that's hard, but that's what God asks us to do. And he empowers us to do that. He calls us to do that. In Colossians 3, it says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. right? Jesus died and rose again so that you, through faith in him, would be forgiven and saved. Good news. Here's the thing. As you, by the Spirit's power, live for Christ and for him alone, guess what? Not only do you get to enjoy and um, experience God's love and grace and forgiveness and eternal life, all that wonderful stuff, but you also get to enjoy and experience his power. The power to love and forgive those around you, including the destructive people in your life too. Even people here at church who are destructive. So let me challenge you in a couple of ways. First, let me challenge you to just review those 10 identifiers of destructive people. Keeping in mind, there are more than these 10. There's, you know, just, and, and of course, they don't always have to be you know, um, connected to people who are destructive at church. These could be uh, identifier tools that people use at school or at work or at home. But be aware of them. Second, become aware of what can make a person destructive. I shared with you three things, right? Envy, greed, bitterness. I'm sure there are others, there are. But those are three that I want you to be alert to to so that you can avoid them. And then number three, learn how to respond to destructive people so that when a destructive person does come into your life, You'll learn how to deal with them. But more importantly, you will, you will, with Christ's help, be able to love and forgive them too. All right, well, we need God's help on this. So let's pray about this. What do you think? Good idea? Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear God, we, we don't want to be a church filled with destructive people. We don't want to be destructive people. We want to build and enjoy relationships with you and with one another. So thank you for today. Thank you for your truth, your love, your forgiveness, your peace. Thank you for Jesus. Bless this series, Lord, as we talk about how we are supposed to respond And, and bless us through it. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' great name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.